1: Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive, and here's your host, Bruce Nolan.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You know what's weird? You guys only ever hear the finished product, but you never hear any of the stuff that happens before or after. I have been fighting with this daggone microphone for what feels like forever just so I can record this podcast. And because of that, I am behind schedule. And you know how much I don't like to be behind schedule. So we are going to dive into some narratives coming away from the Buffalo Bills' victory over the AFC rival Kansas City Chiefs by the score of 24-20, which, ironically enough, was predicted by Tony Romo early in the game. He said, I feel like this is going to be like a 24-20 kind of game. And then it ended up being 24-20 which was weird. So props to Mr. Romo for that. The first thing I want to talk about is the celebration that the Bills fans had after winning and how happy we are about winning and how dismissive a certain comment can be toward a fan base who just won a big regular season game. Because let's be honest, that's what it is. It matters more when it's the Chiefs because they're the team you are likely going to need tiebreakers against when it comes to getting the one seed, getting a bye, and getting a home field advantage in the playoffs. A victory over the Chiefs matters more. It's not just any regular season game. They're not all equal. Some of them have a more lasting impact. And this is one of those things from a sheer logistics standpoint. But here's what starts to happen. Kansas City fans, people who may be content creators for Kansas City, somebody who might be dismissive in the media, perhaps, they will say the following statement. Congrats on winning your Super Bowl. I heard it a lot this week. And it became sort of a part of the narrative of the game. And so I wanted to bring it up. Because that's what we do on the show. We talk about weird stuff. Congrats on winning your Super Bowl. It's a minimization technique. Psychologically speaking, it is designed to minimize the achievement of the person who's excited. People do this usually when they've lost. It's usually not an independent third party. Because the independent third party, the party who doesn't have anything in the game, they have no stake, they don't feel the need to minimize the achievement. The person who lost feels the need to minimize the achievement. That's the first thing that's weird about this. You know, as it always comes from the players and the team and the fans whose preferred team lost the game, that's the team that says, oh, well, you know, congrats on winning your Super Bowl, I guess. <laughs> This was not the Bills Super Bowl. Well, how do you define that, Bruce? Well, what is a Super Bowl? A Super Bowl is a game that, if won, singularly defines success ultimately for that season. I mean, that's what the Super Bowl is, right? It's the granddaddy of them all. It's a win it, you're champion, lose it, you're not game. That's what the Super Bowl is. So if you want to say to me, as someone who prefers my team, the Buffalo Bills, to win. If you want to say to me, congrats on winning your Super Bowl, what you are telling me is that that game, if won, is now singularly a mark of success for that season. Let me ask you, if you got through the rest of this season and the Buffalo Bills got bounced in the first round of the playoffs, would you look back at this game and go, well, at least we beat the Chiefs. No, you probably wouldn't. In fact, I don't think anybody would. A lot of people came into this season with Super Bowl or bust mentality. Now, you know I've pushed back against that. But nobody would look back at this and go, well, we won. Therefore, this is not our Super Bowl. Well, I'm only saying that because you're celebrating. Okay, first off, let people like things. So that would be my retort to that. Let people be excited. Secondly, I've already established that it does mean more. This does mean more from a logistics standpoint. Number three, if you think that there's no sense of wanting to get revenge for the AFC Divisional game last year, then I don't think you understand the emotional aspect of the fan base and how they want to get a little bit of respite from the 13 seconds narrative. They want to get a little bit of respite from having to see that every time it's Bills and Chiefs. And you get a little bit of that monkey off your back through a victory. So yeah, the Bills fans are excited. They're excited to win. That was a really good team. And a win over a really good team should matter more than a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers the previous week, 38-3. to The fact that they're excited... Because their team beat your team? That would mean that's a compliment to your team. So why are you getting so upset? Why do you feel the need to dismiss that? Bruce, you're 100% right. Well, don't pat me on the back quite yet. Because I have a secondary take to this. This is kind of what a lot of Bills fans did to the Dolphins when they were excited about a win. Well, Bruce, that's completely different. Is it really? The Miami Dolphins have not had very much success against the Buffalo Bills recently. To the tune of people frequently referring to Josh Allen as the Miami Dolphins' dad. The Father's Day jokes never really get old. They've lost many, many games to the Buffalo Bills. Then this year, they get a new coach. They get a shiny new toy. When it comes to the wide receiver room, they start off strong. They play division rival. They win. They're excited. And we minimize it with congrats on winning your Super Bowl. Is it their Super Bowl? By my definition earlier that you may have agreed with when I mentioned it with the Bills, it would still be true here. If the Dolphins don't make the playoffs this year, Are they going to look back at that game over the Bills and go, it's okay. The season was successful because we beat the Bills week three. No, I don't think they will. In fact, look around at their fans now that they've dropped a few. Are they looking back and going, well, we beat the Bills. So, I mean, it's still a success. No, they're not. Why? Because they have greater aspirations than just beating the Bills. Beating the Bills to them is validation that they're moving in the right direction, but it's not the end goal. It's not the end of the journey. If it was, then we could call it their Super Bowl. It is singularly responsible for ultimate success in that season because that's what that means. That's what a Super Bowl is, but they're not doing that. Just like the Bills beating the Chiefs is not the end of their journey, but it serves as validation for some offseason moves. How many times have you heard the phrase, that's why they got Von Miller so far this week? The Dolphins are thinking the same thing. That's why we went out and got Tyreek Hill. That's why we changed coaches. They're looking at it as validation along the way of their journey, not the final destination. So it's not true when the Chiefs fans say it to Bill's Mafia, congrats on winning your Super Bowl, and it's not true when Bill's Mafia Says it to Dolphins fans. Well, it actually was their Super Bowl. Have we learned nothing about the randomness in football? The Bills could get bounced in the AFC Championship game and the Finns could get bounced in the divisional round. If that happens, do you still think it was their Super Bowl? What if they have a play-in game late in the season and they win it? It ended up being a far more meaningful game than the Bills-Dolphins. Do you still think it was their Super Bowl? Can we not see any of these possibilities happening Are we so closed-minded that we can't see anything aside from one game, that's it? And the way that we feel right then, that's it, that's all we can see? It's a load of baloney when Chiefs fans say it to Bills Mafia. And therefore, it's a load of baloney when Bills Mafia says it to Dolphins fans too. We need to get rid of that as a concept. Get rid of that entire minimization response. It's a fandom trigger to try to minimize a victory. Congrats on your Super bowl. No, we need to abolish that. That needs to be wiped away from our thinking right alongside wins or quarterback's debt. Because in most cases, and in the two that I mentioned today, it's not true. Will there be some cases where it is? Sure. But they're going to be very, very, very rare. Very, very rare where one game singularly defines success for that season and serves as that team's Super Bowl. It doesn't matter how they celebrated. How they celebrate it is a result of a bunch of other things, like emotional buildup that we talked about before, previous success, getting the monkey off your back. How they celebrate doesn't matter. What matters is what it is, not what they acted like what it is. What they acted like what it is doesn't change what it actually is. And so I reject it when Chiefs Kingdom says it to Bills Mafia. But I also reject it when Bills fans say it to Dolphins fans. We got more narratives to talk about. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this
1: episode comes from Viator. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas
0: and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI,
2: Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We talked about the congrats on your Super Bowl narrative and my stance on that. And now I have a little bit of housekeeping. I am very excited to announce that the Bruce Exclusive has merchandise now. I'm really excited. Buff on Weck. And I have partnered up. That's B-U-F O-N-W-E-C-K dot com, com. And I have partnered up to start off with two designs that you can get as long sleeves and t-shirts and hoodies. The first one, of course, says wins are not a quarterback stat. I'm really excited about it. I think it looks really great. And the second one is actually a topic for today's podcast, which is that Josh Allen is an alien. It's a cool design. Go to buffonweck.com. You can find it. You can order it. I'm really excited. I hope you guys enjoy it. Take a picture of yourself in it. Send it to me. I'm just really excited. I just never thought this would be a real thing, and now it is. So I hope you guys like it. I hope you consume. I hope you find it fun. So Josh Allen's an alien. Alien. You know we're going to define alien, right? I mean, you knew that was coming when I said it. Alien. Alien a hypothetical or fictional being from another world. Fictional, made up, not real. People who look like that shouldn't move like that. People who throw like that shouldn't jump like that. Why would I bring this up? Why is this even important? Because I don't want it to skew our view on other quarterbacks. We constantly rag on other fan bases for using the Josh Allen example for their own quarterbacks. We've talked about this before on this podcast, and I'm not the only one. I'm one of many who have talked about it, that Josh Allen will ruin quarterback evaluation for the NFL moving forward. And specifically for NFL fan bases, every quarterback who's not good for the first two years, could be quote unquote the next Josh Allen, and they will throw up that quarterback statistics for the first two years in a column next to Josh Allen's and go, what do we think? What do we think? And so we have a tendency to look at this and immediately reject it because we know better that Josh Allen is unique. I call him Josh Allen the improbable. Well, now I'm going to call him Josh Alien because I hope that that will get the point across. We understand that, but at the same time, there is another aspect to Josh Allen that we should be very careful not to allow to permanently modify our method of evaluating quarterbacks because Josh Allen's an alien. You can't look at other quarterbacks. If you're evaluating them coming out of college, if you're watching other teams play, you cannot allow Josh Allen to become the standard by which you evaluate quarterbacks. They don't make them. Like Josh Allen, Joe Burrow was talking about Kenny Pickett and said, I can't do the things he can do. He referenced Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, and Pickett together. Now, I I think one of those things is not like the others, but then he put himself in a different group. He said, people who win like that. And then me, I win in a different way. He openly acknowledged that he's not an alien. This is a cautionary tale for Bills fans when we evaluate or measure other quarterbacks. Not only is it just the development curve, it's just about the skill set. So yes, Josh Allen's improbable, but he's also an alien. You cannot have an extraterrestrial and then judge the rest of humanity based on that. It's like getting to a combine and having one of the people at the combine be actually Superman, an actual alien from another planet who can lift 225 pounds literally indefinitely. And look at the rest of the people and go, well, why can't you do that? He can do that. Well, I'm I'm not Superman. I'm not an alien. And it's unfair of you to think that I would be. It's like Iron Man 1. When Tony Stark builds the Iron Man suit, in the cave and Obadiah Stain, the bad guy is really upset at his scientists for not being able to figure it out. And he yells at him and says, Tony Stark built this in a cave with scraps. And then the scientist looks at him and goes, I'm not Tony Stark. That's what we need to be very cautious of when evaluating other quarterbacks, when looking at other teams Not only is the person very unlikely to have a Josh Allen trajectory, they're very unlikely to just have the Josh Allen skill set. And I feel like we talk about the trajectory, but we don't talk about the skill set. Josh Allen's an alien. He's Josh alien. You know, the Chiefs were never the boogeyman. I wrote an article about it last week that win or lose, the Chiefs weren't the boogeyman. But the method by which the Bills won the game, a close game, the defense stopping Kansas City at the end, further shuts the book on that. This idea that there would be something with the narrative that would linger moving forward. Oh, well, the Bills can't blah, blah, blah. Oh, it happened again with the Bills. You even started to hear this a little bit at halftime when Patrick Mahomes got the Chiefs into position to kick the field goal. Oh, there he goes again. And when the Bills scored with a minute four left to go, everyone's like, "Wow, well, it's way too much time for Mahomes, but everything's way too much too. Ha, 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 13 seconds is too much time. And then the Bills shut the door. The Kansas City-Buffalo game and the way it played out was poetic justice at its greatest. Not because the Bills won, but because of the method by which they won. Remember the whole one score thing? That narrative is pretty much dead, isn't it? Well, you can't stop him. No, you can. And so not only does that stop the narrative, it also gives the fans confidence that no matter what situation you're put in, the next time the Buffalo Bills face the Kansas City Chiefs, which could very, very well be in the AFC playoffs. It's not going to be, well, here we go again. No, it's, we did this before, let's do it again. We won a close game before against them. Let's do it again. We stopped them at the end before. Let's do it again. But, you know, it doesn't really matter, Bruce, because it's the regular season, not the playoffs. I'll believe it when you do it in the playoffs. The playoffs are not intrinsically a different sport. The playoffs are the same game. Now, the intensity might be ratcheted up, but it's the same game. The rules aren't different in the playoffs. If you did it in the regular season, you can do it in the playoffs. Speaking of stopping them in their tracks, put some respect on Leslie Frazier's name, ladies and gentlemen. The Bills are historically an extremely zone-heavy team. They came out with almost a 50-50 split in zone man against the Chiefs. On the game-clinching interception, the coverage was half-field man and half-field zone. Just like traits give you options and the addition of Elam, is a testament to that. We talked about this before. You can play a lot more man. You have Elam. The lack of traits is also the lack of options. And one of the prevailing stories in Kansas City this week is whether or not they have the horses at wide receiver to beat man coverage consistently. There's some rumblings about the Chiefs and Odell Beckham now all of a sudden. Why is that? Because they are looking at their wide receivers and going, well, Having Tyreek Hill really would have helped against the Bills. We can beat a lot of teams, but the Bills are really good. Maybe we need a little extra juice. Maybe we need somebody to help us beat man coverage. Maybe we need Odell Beckham. This is similar to what's happening in Green Bay. The Jets played cover one 37% of the time per sharp football. And Aaron Rodgers had a negative 0.23 EPA per play against it. Traits on offense give you options. Lack of traits gives you lack of options to beat things like man coverage. Wide receivers don't make quarterbacks, but on, they sure help. So just like traits give you options, this is the inverse of that. This is lack of traits gives you lack of options. The Bills improved on defense, added Von Miller. And the Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. And I think that mattered. The Bills, at the end, running a three man rush, can still get Mahomes off his spot because you have Von Miller. Two of the names we have not heard very much from this season that I want to get ahead of when it comes to a potential narrative are Ed Oliver and Dawson Knox. Big things were expected. From both these players. And now because the Buffalo Bills. Have been winning. The lack of production you've gotten from these players. Hasn't been a front story. But if the Bills lose. They will come out of the woodwork. So I want to get ahead of it. Nothing can help stifle. A breakout season. Like injuries. Specifically. Nagging ones. Dawson Knox and Ed Oliver. Are both dealing with nagging injuries. And so, if the first half of this season is a little bit slow going when it comes to those two players, I'm gonna make sure I have that context to know that the breakout might be put on hold for a little bit until they're healthy again. Because at the end of 2021, Ed Oliver was playing unbelievably well, and the expectations were very high for him coming into 2022. That hasn't happened. Dawson Knox signed a very, very, very rich contract and has not been as big of a part of the offense so far this year as we thought he otherwise might be. So the breakout, a little bit on hold. But remember, if that starts to pop up, if that narrative starts to pop up, nothing can hamper a breakout season like nagging injuries. Isaiah McKenzie continues to make me nervous. The more exposure you give Isaiah McKenzie to the offense, the less comfortable I feel. We harped on ball security issues for Isaiah McKenzie early in his tenure with Buffalo Bills. And there was some more hype around him this offseason. And if you remember correctly, I was kind of trying to pump the brakes a little bit on that hype for Isaiah McKenzie. He has proven, once again, to be a high-variance player. And high-variance in small quantities can be perfectly fine. But the more and more exposure you give him to the offense, the more the variance is going to come into play. He did not have a very good game against the Chiefs. And I'm feeling comfortable with Khalil Shakir. I was comfortable with Jameson Crowder. I think it's something that needs to be continued to be monitored. Obviously Isaiah McKenzie has done well as a kickoff returner. He has historically done well in a gadget role in the offense. But I'm not overly comfortable with him as a starting slot receiver for this team getting a full-time role. I personally would like to see Khalil Shakir get a little bit more of those reps. Plurality pie for Bill's Chiefs. Didn't forget it. Did not forget Plurality Pie. Josh Allen, 32%. Alien. Josh Alien, 32%. Stephon Diggs, 19%. Remember this offseason? Just coming off the Chiefs game where Stephon Diggs did not have a lot of production and people were like, oh, well, you know, waffling back and forth on Diggs' extension because the last time you saw him, he wasn't super productive. We are victims of the moment when it comes to things like that, and we shouldn't be. Sample size matters. Stefan Diggs worth every penny. Matt Milano, 18%. All-pro season. The all-pro post stuff that happened last year with Jordan Poyer. Someone make me a banner, baby. All-pro Matt Milano. Let's do it. Leslie Frazier, 14%. As I mentioned, put some respect on his name. Von Miller, 8%. That's why you get him. You get him to go do the thing. Other, 9%. We got some emails to get to. Evan says, I have a bye week take. Zach Moss was inactive because he's being discussed as part of a trade package. Odell Beckham is a Bills player watching the Green Bay game from the sideline in street clothes. Khalil Shakir will have a greater snap share than McKenzie by Thanksgiving. Cook gets a solid 20% snap share with Singletary at 50% and to be determined at 30%. I think it might be a Singletary-Cook sort of scenario. Like, for a little bit. I don't know if Zach Moss has any meaningful trade value, but it wouldn't shock me if he was inactive for the next two games that they move him. If he's not inactive for the next two games, if he plays, then I'll be less inclined on that particular take. And you know already that I'm completely fine with Khalil Shakir getting some run. Joseph... Sent me an email and he said, as a disclosure, I'm sending this at the end of the first half. I've never been a McKenzie fan. His first few years, he was a gadget player that could occasionally get a seven yards. Later on, he made multiple bad decisions on punts. When he's on the field as wide receiver four, he keeps underwhelming. While I think the fumble wasn't fully on McKenzie, he dropped a pass. I keep seeing him coming up short time and time again. Should we knock him below Shakir on the depth chart? He might not have the same skill set as McKenzie, but I trust him to catch the ball and do the right thing. What do you think? Well, I hope I answered your question. Um, I'm not willing to make Shakir a full-time player because there's plenty of things that McKenzie can do that Shakir can't do. So I'm not willing to say Shakir is the full-time slot. I just don't want McKenzie as the full-time every down in, down out slot either. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did all the things. We talked about a lot of narratives. I tried to get through them as fast as I could. A reminder, buffonweck.com. Find the Bruce exclusive stuff on buffonweck.com. You can also find it on my pinned tweet at Bruce exclusive on Twitter. Really excited to see it. I'm going to order some stuff for myself and my wife. I won't wear it out in public, though, because I don't want to you know, give it away. It's me. So it's going to be worn within the confines of my own home. <laughs> and if you didn't like it, if you don't like the shirts, you wish I was doing something else. Well,. That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumble.